Parents, welcome to another episode of The Journey, a podcast intended to educate, equip, and entertain you as we talk about important issues facing our families. PCA is a Christ-centered, biblically-based, and family-focused community of committed believers doing life together. We hope the information you hear on this podcast informs and inspires you to be a better parent. Welcome to The Journey. Hey parents, this is Dan Panetti. Welcome to The Journey. Um, If you've been listening for this past year, uh, we're off to start another school year, uh, and there's a few changes going on with the podcast. One, you'll notice that there's a different intro and outro uh, voiceover done by uh, our own fine arts director, Joel Rutherford. So thank you, Joel, for doing that. Uh, The music is still by Jay Wood, uh, Jared Wood, and we love it, and he allows us to use his music. So uh, check out uh, Jared Wood Music, uh, and uh, if you like the uh, intro, outro music, you'll love his stuff. Anyway, uh, I did a new staff presentation uh, on the importance of a Christian liberal arts education in today's world. Uh, There's a big pushback uh, on liberal arts education as most uh, educational um, facilities uh, and academies and institutions are moving towards uh, getting kids and students a job, uh, that that is their primary goal. And so I did a presentation for our new staff to kind of help them understand uh, why we are a Christian liberal arts educational academy and what that really means. Uh, And as I shared that with our new staff, I really wanted to be able to share that with you as our parents as well, uh, so that you know what goes on here uh, in the halls and in the classrooms of uh, Prestonwood Christian Academy. Uh, And so this is a presentation I did. I know that uh, some of what I'm going to be talking about is Uh, part of a PowerPoint presentation that's on a screen. I'll try to put those um, quotes and different things in the show notes so that you have access to those as well. But uh, most of the time I read them uh, so that you can kind of hear it as well. Uh, But I hope this gives you a great understanding of uh, what our students, the the quality and the kind of education uh, from a Christian worldview perspective uh, that your students are getting here at PCA. And I just wanted to be able to share that with you. So welcome to our new staff Uh, training that I did last week. I hope you enjoy it. All right, so I'm Dan Panetti. I'm the uh, the Worldview Director. Just a little biographical background on me. Um, I've been here for, I guess this is going on my 18th year. Um, I'm an attorney. That's why it says um, ESQ after my name, right, in case you don't know what that means, right? It's Esquire. Yeah, it doesn't really mean anything. It just means um, I'm an attorney. Um, you, you know, usually if you see that after somebody's name, you do not want to talk to them, right? Yeah, it's like meeting a doctor and being like, I really like you, but I never want to see you professionally, right? It's the same thing, right? You can like attorneys, you just don't ever want to have one. Um, anyway, but uh, I got uh, drug to uh, PCA kicking and screaming uh, 18 years ago, right? We never had a vision. Uh, my wife is the sixth grade science teacher. Uh, of being part of a private Christian school. She was a public school teacher, and we were just fine with the public school system, right? And then uh, God had a change of plans. I don't know if any of you have had one of those uh, events in your life, right? God has a ridiculous sense of humor. Um, And so all of those things that we said that we would never do, except for the one where we said we would never be missionaries to Fiji, still waiting on God to, (laughs) right? Come on, God. Like, we will never, anyway. Um, but there's a lot of nevers that, uh, that we're standing here now laughing 
um, and God has a great sense of humor in, in making those things happen. So anyway, uh, so he brought me here uh, 18 years ago, and I teach kids how to think critically and Christianly about the world around them. Um, and that just means that when uh, these students walk across the stage and walk onto a college campus or go out into the world, if there's anything in the world uh, that the world throws at them that they are not prepared for, it's my fault. And, <laughs> by extension, your fault. So, anyway, we're in this together. Um, but that's, that's the job, that's the role. We are not um, a private Christian school uh, that insulates our kids from the world. Uh, we are an incubator. Uh, we prepare them, right, and we turn up the heat as they get older, right? So that's just, that's just what it is here. So there's nothing that the world throws at our kids uh, that we are not going to talk about, that we are not going to deal with, that we are not going to wrestle with, that we are not going to give them the biblical perspective on. Not all of our students will agree with us. Not all of our parents will agree with us. But it doesn't really matter because they're not disagreeing with me. They're disagreeing with the Word of God. So I'm just, hey, I'm just the messenger, right? You got a problem with the author? Take it up with him. Anyway, <clears throat> Uh, today we're going to talk about a liberal arts education, a Christian liberal arts education. Why? Somebody click, please. That would be me. Um, why, why is this important? Uh, this is important um, because there's a couple things that are happening. One, there's a push against, and there has been for, in a sense, kind of 100 years, a push against the, um, the liberal arts education to move towards a more, um, uh, an educational process that prepares you for a job. Right? If you'll notice, right, a, a lot of colleges now, when you go get a degree, you get a degree in something specifically so that you can go get a job. So if I told you, right, if I told you well, I graduated from the University of wherever, right, and I have a general studies degree, right, everybody would look at you like, are you going to get a job with that? Right? Like, okay, so just understand, right, that used to be the idea that when a company hired you, right, and you had a general studies degree, or I came from a liberal arts education, it meant that, right, my job was to hire you because you know how to work hard, you can think, and you can connect dots, and you can see big picture ideas, right, and that you have a couple skills like you know how to communicate well, okay, so I can bring you into my company, and I can train you on what my company does, okay, so that's what a liberal arts education used to mean, Right? And we want to bring back that understanding of that's what it is. And so uh, the poet uh, Caroline Bird said this, a liberal arts education is supposed to provide you with a value system, a standard, a set of ideas, not a job. Okay? That's not the goal of education, to get you a job. So let's not reduce it to that particular concept. Okay? A couple other people have said things like it. Uh, Tyrone Edwards, the great-grandson right, of Jonathan Edwards, said... Uh, the great end of education is to discipline rather than to furnish the mind, to train it to the use of its own powers rather than fill it with the accumulation of others, right? So we want, we want students to understand that their mind isn't just something that we're dumping a bunch of things into, information, but we're teaching them how to use that so they can discern whether the information is good or bad. Do you think that's needed in the world today? <laughs> right? When so many people... Right? only hear information from one particular stream, and they think it's true because it came from their particular outlet, right? and you have to be able to say, listen, you've got to push back on that. Right? We want our students to push back, and here's the deal. We want our students to learn to push back on everything, even if it's the, if, if, if it's the truth, right? because we know the truth will stand the pushback. So we're not worried about that. We're not worried about you pushing back on the ideas of God, because if it's true, it'll stand. But if you don't push back on anything, then you're likely to fall for everything. Okay, and then my favorite one, right, is Socrates or Socrates, depending on which movie you're quoting from. Um, education is the kindling of the flame, not the filling of a vessel, right? Doesn't that just do it for you right there? If you could summarize, right, education in a sentence, 
This would be the summary of education for me. This is what I want our students to leave with, right? A passion for learning, not information. Guess what happens to information? It changes, right? And kids have Google, so don't worry about it. <laughs> they can find information, okay? But if they have a passion for learning, we have done our job, right? If they leave here inspired to go out and make a difference in the world, right, we have done our job. But we're not just a liberal arts education place. We are a Christian liberal arts education, which means I need our school to be, right, unapologetically Christian in all that we say and do, which means your classroom should be a Christian classroom, right? When the kids walk into the classroom, when they see things, okay, like if I got on your social media and I could not figure out that you were a Christian from looking at your social media, you have not done a good job, right? If I walk into your classroom and I do not know that this is a Christian classroom, right? If this looks like, well, this looks like Hebron or this looks like Plano West, right? You have not done a good job. I need the kids to feel like and see that they are in a Christian classroom, what does that mean? Well, it's obviously it means something different for every grade and each person and whatever subject you're teaching, right? But I, I, here's the deal. I want you to be unashamed to be a Christian here. So when, here's, the, here's the thing, and this will freak the kids out, right? So let me just give you a little insight. Um, when you ask kids, hey, can I pray for you on something? And they give you a prayer request, stop and pray for them there. Kids will like, be like, what did you just do? Like, I just prayed for you, Right? And it's like, okay, like, I need you to be unapologetically Christian at this school, right? Bring your Bible, right? Wear a t-shirt with a verse on it. What, I don't care. Whatever you need to do, be Christian here in everything, right? Lower school, ground them in the Word, right? I need kids who know the Word of God coming up, okay? We actually have a Bible teacher sitting right in front whose job it is, to help us with those kids who haven't been here for their entire lives, because a lot of kids are coming here and they don't know the Word of God. So let's keep that assumption going that if you've been here for 12 years, you better know God's Word, right? You better know it. That's, that's our expectation. So everything, right? Uh, middle school begin to explore their identity in Christ, right? Help them connect, right? Who they are to who He is, right? So we have conversations with our young people, right? That they are men and women, Right? They don't have to pick the pronouns here. We, we give them to them. You're he and you're she. Right? Helps out a whole lot. Makes things a lot clearer. Upper school, we begin to push back on things. Right? So as we get into the upper school world, right, we want to begin to really push on that and ask those questions. Right? Super, super important process as we go through. The curriculum. Right? Great word. Right? Curriculum, it means track. Right? Like what a horse would run on. Think about this. It's like what our students are running on. That track needs to be unapologetically Christian. Right? What they're learning, reading, writing, arithmetic, right? science, everything, needs to have a Christian worldview woven into it. Okay? And if you're thinking, well, I teach whatever, and it's not really Christian. Yes, it is, because <laughs> God designed it. Right? And if God designed it, then that means he's the one who put it together and he's the one who makes sense of it. So if you can teach it without making sense of the author of it, you're amazing, right? Or you need to go work at Planet West because they can figure it out. Um, but anyway, uh, we need you to be unapologetic Christian. And, I, and I'll say this, um, I need you to be a great Christian teacher, which includes both being a person of character and a person of competence, okay? And I'll just, I just have to say this, um, 
In the past, and this was a long time ago, um, I just remember we had a particular teacher who did not do their job very well. Um, and when that group of students moved from that particular year to the next year, they struggled in that particular subject. And we had a lot of parents who were very frustrated with the teacher that had all the students who were struggling. Does that make sense? And the teacher was frustrated because the person before them didn't do their job. Okay? And the hard part was that teacher was one of the most well-liked individuals. Teach, the kids loved that particular person because that person was right, a person of great character, great fun, wonderful, but they didn't do their job well, and those kids struggled in that particular subject from that point on. Everybody had to make up for it. So I'm just going to tell you this. Okay? I know you love Jesus, and I know you're going to have great Christian character, but if you are not a great Christian teacher as well and competent in what you do, you better um, get working on that. And now you may think, well, is that, is that scriptural? And the answer is, yes, it is, right? Exodus chapter 18, when Jethro told Moses how to pick leaders, the first thing he said is pick able men, competent people, right? They know what they're doing, okay? Not just men who fear the Lord, right? That was later, but men who know what they're doing, right? And then David, you remember when Saul was looking for somebody to play music for him because he was going crazy, and somebody went up to Saul and said, hey, I know a guy who can play music. The very first thing they said about David was he was a skilled player. Okay? And then later they said the Lord is with him. But just understand, right? If I want a person to come in and play music for me, I don't want a person who loves Jesus and doesn't play music well. Does that make sense? <laughs> okay? So I don't want a math teacher who loves Jesus but can't teach math. I don't want a science teacher who loves Jesus and can't teach science. Does that make sense? I think you can do both. I think you can be a person of great character and great competence in what you do, okay? The other thing is conduct, okay? Um, you need to hold kids responsible for acting, right, the way that they should act. Um, here at PCA, will there be a student that cheats on one of your tests? Okay, parents will say no, right? Well, I, my kid... My kid would never cheat. I'd say, well, okay, then you're raising Jesus, and I thought he was going to come back on a white horse, but apparently he came back in a seventh-grade body. Okay, so <laughs> weird, but, you know, we'll go with it. Here's the deal. Yeah, you'll have a kid who cheats, right? You'll, you'll have a kid who's, you know, a, a problem, right? You'll have a kid who's it. Right? You, you'll, yes, you'll have all of it, okay? During the time that you have that particular student, okay, I need you to hold them accountable. I need them to have consequences for their actions because guess what? When they leave here, there will be consequences for their actions, and if we don't hold them accountable here and teach them and train them how to do that, right, we are sending them into a world, right, that will amplify that, and those consequences are only going to get bigger and worse. So, yeah, we need that, right? You need to have that hard conversation with that parent, but I'm going to tell you this, right, that particular action does not define the character of the student, okay? This is Jesus saying, hey, whoever right, hasn't sinned, you can cast the first stone. So I'm going to tell you, don't evaluate the entire life of a student by the moment that you have them, okay? Because you may have a student in middle school. How many of you are in middle school, right? How many of you want people to go back and evaluate your life by your middle school years, right? Some of us have grown. Some of us haven't. <laughs> Some of us are like, you're still stuck in middle. Anyway, okay, I need you to understand, right, that that student that you have, okay, they're in a process where God is taking them somewhere. And I could tell you student after student after student after student that has walked these halls, that if I brought them back, 
right? We as teachers would drop dead seeing where they are now. And some of them, because now they love the Lord and they're missionaries in India, right? Grayson? <laughs> what? Or, man, they were the perfect kid here at PCA, and they're not walking it now. So here's the deal, okay? I need you to hold kids accountable in their conduct, okay? It is a Christian biblical principle that we are very strong on, and it's important to do. Now, this whole idea of a Christian liberal arts education, right, just from a 30,000-foot view, okay, what I need you to grasp is this concept, right, that we are going to bring order out of chaos, okay? The world is chaos, and chaos brings confusion and despair, but order is going to bring amazement and wonderment and understanding, okay? And each principle is going to build on itself, so to give you a very simple example of what this looks like in this process and why, right, why we're talking about from pre-K all the way through 12th grade, what this looks like here from a Christian liberal arts education standpoint is we're going to start with something simple like shapes, right? And shapes are going to become letters, right? How many of you, who, who's here, who does the letter people, right? What grade is that in? Pre-K? Okay, can I tell you? I still remember learning the letter people. I thought it was the, right when uh, Q and U got married. I mean, seriously, is that not the greatest thing in the world, right? And it's still, okay? So some, you're going to teach from shapes to letters. Letters become words and sentences, right? And then here's the cool thing. Sentences become communication vessels for ideas, Right? And then those ideas carry things that inspire people. Okay, some of the best sentences and ideas, these are my favorite, right? So they may not be your favorite, right? Um, you know, Chad's probably got a whole list of things that, you know, like, none of us would remember. But I picked a couple that you probably would know, okay? So this one says, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. Who wrote that? Charles Dickens. In what? Yes. No. In Tale of Two Cities. Tale of, Tale of Two Cities, right? Remember that? Right? And when you hear that line, does it not just take you back? Some of you are like, I've never read that. Don't admit that here. What about this one? Call me Ishmael. Oh, doesn't that just take you back to one of maybe the greatest novels ever written? Anyone other than Chad? Moby Dick. Yes. Such a great line. What about this one? This one was a hard one for me because I started reading it several times and did not appreciate it until I read the whole thing and then appreciate it. This says, the wounds received in battle bestow honor. They do not take it away. Maybe one of the great lines in literature. Who said this? Don Quixote, right? Yes. The sense of humor in Don Quixote is incredible. And the last one, look at this sentence. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness not, has not overcome it. Think about this. Those shapes that you learned that became letters, that became words, that became sentences, became the communication that God used to tell us who he is. <sighs> That's insane. 
Do you know why reading is important? Do you know why education is important? Because it's the way that God communicates to us. Now, I know that he is in all things, right? And we can go out to nature and we can literally see the hand. Have you seen the pictures that we're getting back from whatever that telescope is that's out there, right? The thousand universes that we just discovered, right? And God's going like, yeah, I got plenty more, right? <laughs> like, just, you just keep looking, right? So I get it. But it's amazing how God communicates to us through his word. And can I tell you, here's the deal. Our kids struggle with reading, okay? Social media, anyone, right? Our kids struggle with reading. And do you not think, if I just could say, do you not think the enemy has a plan for making it difficult for our kids to sit and read anything because the one thing that God used to communicate is the written word. He will do anything to make sure that our kids do not read well. So we better get our kids to read and to read well because that's how God communicates to us through his word. So let's go back to this real quick. Oh, big picture, right? As they read God's word, they're going to understand Right, that Christianity is more than just a salvific experience. Right, there's creation, fall, redemption, restoration. When they get that whole picture, right, they're going to start asking some big questions like, "If I see a problem, what can I do to make it better? If you see a void, how can I fill it? If you see beauty, how can I best appreciate it? If you see wonder, how can I best understand it?" Do you understand how all of this ties into the educational process that you're going to give them? It's not just information we're sharing with them, right? But it's an understanding that they have a part of a large narrative and they get to play a role in that particular narrative. So it's super, super important for us to do this. But let's go back to this. Education is the kindling of a flame, not the filling of a vessel. Now, to help you understand exactly what this means, right, there are some great movies. And I know I just said reading super important, okay, so hang on. But there are some great movies that communicate this concept, right, of what a great education and a great teacher looks like, okay? These are some fun movies, right? Dead Poets Society, uh, tough one, right? You know, kids are dying. You know, it's like, you know, but, but, right? The role of a great teacher who inspires kids. I love it, right? The great debaters. Again, the role of a great teacher who inspires students, right? So we're not just passing on information, right? We're inspiring young people to make a difference in the world. But here's the deal. The greatest educational movie ever made was just released this year. And some of you saw it. And if you haven't seen it, I'm just going to tell you, right, your work for tonight, literally, right, run to Cinemark, right, with the heated seats, right, get the popcorn, okay? I, seriously, as an educator, did this movie not just freak you out and go, <gasps> because Tom Cruise went from, he went from the brat, right? Oh, yeah, well, hey. Here's the deal, two things, right? One, it's been out long enough. Since that, it's been out long enough, but I'm also not gonna, I'm also not gonna ruin it, okay? But I'm gonna talk about a couple things, okay? Couple things, right? He goes from being, right, the Top Gun pilot to being the instructor, so now he's in the role of the teacher, okay? Which is amazing, okay, to watch him be a teacher, to watch him be an instructor, because one of the cool things is he has a bunch of hymns in the audience now right? A bunch of, I can't learn anything from you. You can't teach me anything. Can I just tell you, right? You're going to walk into your class sometime. You're going to be like, oh, right? They know everything, okay? Especially those of you in high school, right? Do you remember when you were 16 and you know everything too? Yeah, I'll tell you. You're like, oh my gosh. Yeah. 
Oh, I love it. But here's the cool thing, right? He is going to have an incredible opportunity, right, to do some things. And I want to just kind of point out a couple things that he does that I think are important for us to do here at a Christian school, okay? Um, the first thing is, right, he's going to throw away the book, okay, because it's not information that they lack. And I want to, I want to remind you of that, okay? Not everybody in your class is going to become an expert in whatever it is that you're teaching them, okay? So it's not information that they lack, but it's information, right, that's important, right, that you need to give to everybody. But then some of those people are going to take that, right, to the next level, okay? But here's the thing, right? Do your job teaching your particular subject, right, to everybody and do it well for everybody, okay? But I'm going to tell you, right, let them pick up on your love for your subject and not just the information that you're passing on, okay? And that's a really, really important concept. Um, in his training, one of the things that he's going to do is he's going to make those people really, really uncomfortable, and that's okay. It's okay for your kids to be uncomfortable. It's okay for your kids to be stretched. It's okay for your kid to get a B, right? And your parents are freaking out because they've never gotten a B before. It's okay. It's all right, right? I would rather your students learn something and get a B, then not learn something and get an A. And I'm going to tell you, there's tons of pressure, right? Colleges are falling prey to this as well. There's tons of pressure to get the grade, but not walk away with anything, okay? I talk to kids, right, when they do their capstone their senior year, right? And you ask them, why'd you pick that book? It's like, it's because the only book I read while I was at PCA. That's awful to say. That's, that's a, I don't want to hear that, okay? I want you to read. I want you to Grasp everything you can. It's, it's your education. Don't sell it short. Don't do the least you can do. Can I, can I, here's the deal. Can I just tell you, right? Nathan's out there. Campbell's out there, right? Playing football. Can I tell you? Here's the deal. If Coach Yantis said to those boys, right? I know you're just out here having fun. Come out here and give me whatever you want, right? Show up for practice if you want. Show up for weights if you want. I don't really care. We're going to show up on Friday night. and We're going to get whooped. 60 to zero. But you know what? Here's the deal. We're going to cheer for you because we love Jesus and we love you. Yeah, he'd be gone, right? right? He could be Jesus' brother-in-law and we'd fire him. <laughs> Seriously. So here's the deal. I expect the same thing from you in the classroom that I expect from him on the football field. Do you understand? Right? I need kids to take their subject seriously and to do well in it, even if they struggle with it. You got to push them. Right? you got to make them learn, even if they don't want to. And here's the deal. One of the things that Cruz does in this movie, he calls them up and out to greater heights that they've never thought that they could achieve. They think they're already there. They're not. Our kids think they know everything. <laughs> they don't. You have stuff to teach them. You have stuff to show them. And here's what he did. Right? He showed them right, that there's something greater going on than the little story that they're a part of. C.S. Lewis wrote it like this. Enemy occupied territory, that's what the world is. Christianity is the story of how the rightful king has landed. You might say landed in disguise and is calling us all to take part in a great campaign of sabotage. When you go to church, you're really listening into the secret wireless from our friends. That is why the enemy is so anxious to prevent us from going. Right? Well, that sounds a whole lot more fun than the Christianity my church was selling me, right? Or the idea that when I die, I get to go to heaven. 
And I'm like, what about today? Where's the great adventure today? And I'm telling you, there is a great adventure. There is a great battle going on out there, and the enemy wants to keep our kids unaware of it, unprepared for it. And your job, because you know what the mission is, because you've been out of school and you know what they're getting ready for, your job is to prepare them for what the world is going to throw at them. Does that make sense? Right? You know what the mission is. You know what it looks like for them to walk in these things, which is why it's so important for you to actually live it out in front of them, to literally show them what it looks like to be a Christian husband, wife, man, woman, teacher, professional, right? Can I tell you, talk about your quiet time. I don't have a quiet time. Then get one, <laughs> right? If you're not in the Word of God and you're not sharing that with your kid, I don't, I don't care what subject you teach, right? Teach your subject. We've already talked about that. You need to have a competency, right? Show them what it looks like to live the Christian life. And here's the deal. Does the, does the Christian life always look clean and easy? The answer is no. So show them a little bit of the mess. Show me some of the things that you struggle with. Not everything, by the way. Remember, they're students, right? Talk to them about where you go to church. I don't go to church. Well, then start going. Because here's the deal. You can't expect more from your students than you're willing to give yourself, which means you need to be a member of a church, you need to be active and engaged, and you need to be going. And here's the thing. Our kids, a lot of them don't go to church, or they go one Sunday a month. Okay? You need to be there every Sunday, right? And you need to be talking about what was happening, what you learned, right? Tell them about the podcast you listened to and the great book that you read. Whatever it is, right? Share that with them and show them what it looks like because that's super, super important. Now, here's the deal. Oh, this is the thing, right? There is a part in the movie um, where Tom Cruise actually has to show the students that something can be done, okay? And that's the reality of it. If your kids can't see it lived out in front of them, right, then they won't believe it to be true. Okay? If I ask your kids, who are your heroes and who do you listen to, can I just tell you, none of them are Christians today. Right? Nobody who's an influencer, nobody who's a celebrity, nobody who's famous is a Christian. Well, except for that one guy or maybe that one girl. Right? Just understand so just understand, right, they're getting their Christian influence, hopefully, hopefully, from their home, some know. Hopefully from their church, some know. Well, they better get it from you, right? You might be the only Bible that they're reading. Remember that. So you better show them what it looks like. I'll say this, the other thing. John Hamm plays a role in this particular movie where he pushes back on Tom Cruise because he just wants to get rid of him because he's still a captain, right, and in the Navy after 30 years, which, by the way, Tom Cruise, right, from movie one to movie two, what happened? The rest of us all aged, right? I mean, if you took a picture of me in high school and stuck it next to me today, right, yeah, here I am at, you know, Top Gun 1, here I am. I aged, right? Tom Cruise did not. I think they shot Top Gun 1 and Top Gun 2 at the same time. They just released it 30 years later to make the rest of us go, wait a second. Anyway, but there's a, there's a time and a place in here where something's going to happen, right? And John Hamm, in his commander role, 
right, is going to say something to Tom Cruise, and he's going to talk about these pilots that he's sending on this mission, which, by the way, this mission is crazy, right? And he says something about them completing the mission. And then Cruise says, and bring them home, right? And John Hamm looks at him like, here's the deal. They know what they signed up for, and there might be some casualties, and they, they know that, and here's the deal. From our perspective in the Christian world, I think we're too comfortable with losing our kids to the world. We're too comfortable losing our kids to the world. And now here's the deal. I can give you statistics all you want, right? People do studies on this all the time. Right? Barna's made a career out of it. How many kids walk away from their faith? I don't know if they had a faith or if they didn't have a faith. We can talk about that later. But I'll tell you this. When they give you reasons for why they walked away, it, kind of, it makes me sick. There's so much more that we can do with our kids to ground them in the word and to show them something that's exciting. Christianity, if anything, should never be boring. Never. If you are not excited about the Christian life, if you don't get up every day and think, oh my goodness, God has given me another day, and the enemy doesn't shake in his boots just a little bit, then I don't know what you're doing. Because the Christian life is exciting. There is no other excitement. Have you, have you seen what everybody else does on social media to try to make a worthless life look exciting? <laughs> like, seriously? That's it? Sin's pleasurable for a moment. The Christian life it's for an eternity. The life that you live should be something that is modeled for these kids to see, and they go, man, that looks, that's incredible. That's part of, that person's part of something bigger than just them. Because after a while, can I just tell you, cotton candy is fun for a minute, but a whole steady diet of it doesn't get you anywhere. You're just hungry at the end of it and a little bit sick. So here's the deal. This whole idea of our kids walking away from their faith, right, shouldn't happen. Shouldn't happen. We should not give in to this concept. And they say one of the things that they did in studies is to ask kids who didn't walk away from their faith, what were the things that kept you in the faith? And one of the number one answers that kids gave was they connected with an adult. They connected with an adult at some time in their Christian walk who inspired them. They connected with an adult. Can I just tell you, that's you. Maybe it's in second grade, and they love their second grade teacher, right? Maybe it was their English teacher in ninth grade, and they love their English teacher. Maybe it was a coach. I don't care. And here's the deal. Are you going to connect with everybody in your class? No, you're not. But you're going to connect with one, and you're going to connect with another one, and you're going to model it for everybody. But it's so important for you to make those connections with these kids. They need to see an adult who lives out their Christian faith and is unembarrassed, unashamed of being a Christian. And they're good at what they do. The line that they use in this particular movie was Tom Cruise says, we're going to bring our boys home, our boys and our girls. And can I tell you, that is my mission if I had to tell you what our mission is at PCA, right, it's to prepare our kids for a battle that they have no idea 
is waging out there for an enemy that will shoot them down in a second. They have to learn some strategies, right? Remember when Jesus sent out his disciples and he said, be as wise as serpent and as innocent as doves? Okay, maybe we forgot. The wise as serpent is super important. We need to teach our kids how to think critically and Christianly. We don't need good kids. We need godly kids. And there's a huge difference between those two. And if you're trying to raise good kids and trying to do sin management and you get frustrated with that kid in your class who just acts up all the time, can I just tell you, give them a big picture of what God has called them to and take that rebellious spirit and turn it against the world so that they're not a problem for the kingdom anymore. They're a problem for the enemy. That's the goal. God's wired them in a certain way. God's given them certain gifts and abilities, right? Let's give them a mission to use those things for that's good and right and true. And it's not, I'll just tell you, it's not about getting a job and making money. That's the easiest thing in the world. And it's something that we've bought into right here in America, that that somehow, right, is the American dream and the Christian dream, and they've gotten, like, put together. That's not the Christian dream. If God's given you a skill and a talent and an ability that the world throws money at, fantastic, great, awesome. But if he's called you to something where you lay down your life, if you're Jim Elliott and you're out sharing the gospel and you get killed and you're like, that's a waste of a life, no, it's not. A waste of a life is a kid who's walked away from the great mission that God has given them and they're spending their life and their days building their own kingdom or the kingdom of the world because all of that's going to go away. Show them what it looks like to build the kingdom that will last forever. And if you're part of that mission, if you're part of that vision, you can't help but talk about it with our kids. Right? Tom Cruise, this movie should inspire you as a teacher because it doesn't make it look easy. It's not. Right? And the whole movie is just about him showing other people it can be done. I'm doing it. He is unwavering, unapologetic, and uncompromising and apparently unaging. So it's just, <laughs> we, we want the first three, don't worry about the last one, right? You'll age while you're here, trust me, right? But that's my goal for you, right? A liberal arts education frees the mind so that it can be used by God for something great. That's what you're here for. Let me pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you for these men and these women. Father, for the great mission that you have called us to, education, to train young men and women to love you with all of their heart, with all of their soul, with all of their mind, and with all of their strength. Father, thank you for this calling. Thank you for allowing us to be part of your mission. And Father, for calling these students to be a part of something great beyond them. Help us to live it out, to model it in front of them. And Father, for our students to be captured by this vision. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for investing the time to listen to this episode of The Journey. Please take a minute to share with friends and family who will also benefit from this valuable resource. And don't forget to rate and review this podcast on your favorite podcast app. It is truly our blessing and honor to walk with you on the journey.